0: For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Plan your match day with our GPS travel planner, taking you to the best pubs, restaurants and hotels, home and away. Download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and Google Play.
1: I went to Bladen Racist was on the 9th of June, 1862 on a summer's afternoon. Took the bus from Balbras and she was heavy laden. Away we went along Collingwood Street that's on the road to Blade. Oh, my lads, you should have seen us gannin' passing the folks along the road just as they were standing. All the lads and lassies there and all with smiling faces, ganning along the Scotswood Road to see the Bladen races. Flew past Armstrong's factory, you know to the robin' and the but or the railing pitch, the bus Hello and welcome to CHN Radio episode 161.
2: I'm your host Greg Troxell, you can follow me at NUFC underscore Greg. We have our for weekly news podcast, we we'll cover essentially a lot of steepers arbitration and odds and ends and then we'll wrap everything up with previewing next week's match against arsenal uh which we're somewhat familiar with now but let's bring in the best damn coast in the land elijah newsome how are you this fine evening morning for you
3: uh i'm good uh live from an undisclosed location so we're uh we're rocking and rolling. I mean I'm in Tampa. It's not as exciting as I don't know why I said an undisclosed location. That made it sound cool and it's not. It's Tampa.
2: You're just it's you're Tampa, Florida. Florida. Super Bowl.
3: Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm actually this um it's a it's a three week long stay preparing for mm-hmm. the uh, Super Bowl.
2: Started tailgating three weeks early. That's all.
3: Yeah. Yeah, and none of the no team I support is going to be in the Super Bowl, so that's that's all the more reasons for me to go.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's the it's the best version. <laughs> um, yeah, so Newcastle, uh, something is a little odd with with Newcastle right now because a lot of people are talking about them, and that's a joke because that's pretty much always the case. We're always in some sort of drama. Something's always going on with, with Newcastle. So let's talk with the the first and most important thing is the lovely Bruce out movement. It is picking up steam because obviously, as we've talked about, and we've had many frustrations with Steve Bruce, with with his lineup selections, with his like lack of any tactical awareness, um, he is just continuously to sleepwalk Newcastle into a relegation fight. Uh, And over this week, the performance against Sheffield has been blasted by everyone. Alan Shearer did an op-ed. Everyone's writing about it. Everyone's talking about it. Um, We mentioned Lee Ryder even said it's a disgrace to the club crest. Well, Sky Sports uh, wrote something I wanted to share, uh, said uh, Newcastle supporters saw it coming a mile off. This was Sheffield United without a win this season, without a win for six months. A team not only devoid of confidence, but already down in the eyes of many. Of course, they were going to get the better of the Steve Bruce side. What might have shocked even the Newcastle manager's more fervent critics was how his side seemingly allowed the opposition to play their way back into form. They were the architects, foremen, builders, and advertisers of their own downfall. And I thought that was a very interesting excerpt from them. Uh, Elijah, what's your thoughts on everything as it's blow,
3: continuing to blow up around the world? I think, I mean, first and foremost, it's almost like Newcastle fans, like, there's people who are just tweeting out clips of when they were interviewed, uh, like, when we hired Steve Bruce. I mean, we, we, no fan was excited about this. Um, I mean, and honestly, Luke Edwards was the only journalist that, like, I wouldn't even say defended Steve Bruce in the beginning, but, wanted to give him a fair shot. I mean, I think every journalist said they wanted to give him a fair shot, but after the first four matches, I think journalists across the Northeast all knew what we were getting with Steve Bruce and kind of, I mean, I don't know. It's just always interesting to me because as a a subscriber of the athletic, I think every other team in the Prem that has a dedicated writers, let alone Newcastle has two dedicated writers. And of course, I mean, I don't know if you want to call Rafa a a guest author for Newcastle, but every time he's on, they talk about Newcastle in terms of him writing or doing any sort of interview. And then Alan Shearer. So there's like four people surrounding Newcastle regarding the athletic. And we rarely get any sort of tactical articles regarding Newcastle uh, since the athletic has started covering stuff in the UK and that's just shocking because literally every other team has a tactical article about like what the manager was trying to do tactically the match before come out pretty much after every match, and like none of those articles exist for Newcastle unless it's really bad. Uh, like recently, there was some stuff about stats and things, but because there's no tactics involved with with Newcastle, like there's no reason to bring in a tactical expert uh, that the Athletic have spent money on talk about what newcastle are doing tactically because there are no tactics to to uh to examine and this is what newcastle fans have been seeing uh of course the national media i mean they just and i don't blame them i mean i just they, they don't they don't watch newcastle and we wouldn't subject and watch newcastle so obviously as a fan it's frustrating to hear you know national pundits defend steve bruce but you know, as time goes on, even past Project Restart, going into this season, you saw a lot more national pundits starting to hop on the wave of, like, Steve Bruce is not a good manager in the sense of, like, Newcastle are not a fun team to watch. They're not an entertaining team to watch. And they kept saying that, and they kept saying that, and then finally people are now saying, well, maybe Newcastle's not an entertaining team to watch because the manager is not a good manager. And we finally gotten to that point. We're only, you know, a year and a half after – we've Newcastle fans have said this but we finally got there so I mean congratulations to the national media for finally figuring out what Newcastle fans have said for a while I think as a Newcastle fan though the thing that is most concerning is that it just seems like the team doesn't want to play for him anymore I think you could make excuses and Greg has kind of alluded to this about the team taking responsibility I think last season and even the beginning of this season when the results are going your way when you're winning it's it's very easy to look past all the faults of of your your coach or your manager because, I mean, like sure he doesn't have tactics. Sure, you know it must have been a frustrating match to play, but you won. So like at the end of the day, that's what matters, and results do matter. But when you are in the midst of a losing streak, uh, or an un in a streak of eight games with no win, in you already were kind of frustrated with the lack of tactical instruction or, or direction from the manager. It becomes easier and easier to lose faith in the manager, and I feel like that's what, that's what happened. I mean, like Greg said on the last episode, he put out two false number tens, which is – I've never heard of that in my entire life. And so if you're Ryan Fraser and you're being asked to play as a false number ten against – the worst team in the premier league and likely probably going to go down as one of the worst teams in premier league history. I'd be frustrated as hell too. I'd, I'd get myself sent off. I don't want to be a part of this. You're seeing that. I mean, it's even, even players like Miggy who smile all the time, they don't seem to be smiling anymore.
2: Yeah, there's it's uh, the, the whole manager thing is really funny because like I always say like the managers are, and coaches are 100% at fault for every loss and they've never won ever. The players get all the praise and the wins the managers yeah. get all the blame and the losses. But in this case uh th- there is it is true that like players can be bad and managers can be bad and players can be good and managers can be bad. All
3: that is true. And in this case we are seeing probably a combination of both. And but- and I honestly I think in the Premier League it's slightly different. I th- think that if anything manager league out of any more other league in the world and we talk about this as well like the media is they are way more forgiving of managers than anywhere else i've seen in the world i mean like premier league managers are praised when their teams win and even when their teams look good but don't win they're they're heralded as as geniuses biezla has leads and what what, 13th or 4th They're mid-table, but you would think the way that the national media talks about him, he's the best damn manager in the world. But he's, he's not. I mean, he's good. He, Leeds are a solid team, and they're certainly overperforming. or under- I don't care what you want to paint it as, but if you look at like the storylines regarding Premier League, it's always talking about how Pep Guardiola is the best manager in the world, or, or Jurgen Klopp's the best manager in the world, or look at the transformation Hazen done at Southampton, or look how great Chris Wilder was last year, Eddie Ho. It's it's still very like if you win in the Premier League and you're a manager, you're praised. So I, I get that. So like when you go through those defeats, you deserve the criticism. And until this point, Steve Bruce hasn't gotten the criticism. He's gotten all the praise in the world for a Newcastle win. people are like, Oh, they 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 did the impossible, they pulled out this result. Steve Bruce, you gotta give him credit. And people are like, Well, we don't have to give him credit. But you know, media tends to do that. And I don't know. I mean, local media, I don't think they have. I think people are now starting to finally realize that the local media have been asking these questions of Steve Bruce and he just ignores them. And people are now like, Oh yes, we see this because we have access to the press conferences that have always, we've always had access to, but now people are looking at them and seeing like, yeah, Steve Bruce is not answering any of these questions that people have been asking about how he sets up his team and why they're so bad. It's a, it's quite frustrating. Um, I guess on that note about players, do you want to talk about Alan Tate Maxman?
2: Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, so uh, th- th- the, the assumption is that Alan Tate Maxman has really gotten it bad with COVID.
3: Uh, there's been pictures of him with families, though.
2: In the yeah. Meantime, and- but,
3: like his his return to social media was him posting a picture with, I'm guessing his wife is white and those are her parents. Cause his kids are like mixed. And so I'm guessing that was his in-laws because he posted a picture with two very old white people, which it's like, I mean, and this was in December. So it's like, you know, you, if you're with your grandparents, you're not posting it online. Like you're, because like, this is, this is the population we're making the sacrifices for. Like these are the people who are most likely to die from COVID. And if you're a player that's recovering from COVID or person recovering from COVID, you're probably not going to see older people. Um, And there was always like that. And people – some people were kind of woke on that. But it kind of got worse because I guess over the break, he also posed for a picture uh, when he got back from – I guess he was in France. The club had to let people know. At some point it got out that he was in France um, recovering. The media reported that – I want to say it was Chris Wofford, Lee Ryder, had reported it um, over the holiday break. And then after, during the festive fixtures he was – pictured with a fan um, at the shops in Newcastle. And the club had to release a statement last week saying that he was not violating their COVID-19 protocols by taking a picture with a fan while he was recovering from COVID-19. So. Yeah, I, I definitely
2: can get behind a conspiracy theory that he has long long since recovered may have never even gotten COVID. But uh, let me tell you what, if somebody got COVID in England, France isn't letting them in if they have COVID like, like, Oh yeah. Like, Hey, like I just got COVID. I'm just going to go to France to like recover now. Like they're like, "Uh, no, like, (laughs) like you're not coming here. Like we're you're staying where you are and we're not letting you in. So like, that's what every country is doing now. Uh, so, like, I don't see why. Like, I mean, yeah, it's an exception for him, but that just
3: seems like very well. Risky. Here, my my, I think what I I this is my timeline. So, I think that, like if this is and this is best case scenario based off of what we've seen with other athletes in different sports, and I'm going to even use Jamal Lasells as a, as an example here. So, both Jamal Sells and Alan C. Maxman picked up injuries, also like either right before or during or like when they'd already had COVID. Like we saw Jamal Sells get COVID. Kids, yes, allegedly had COVID. But I mean, for the sake of this, we'll say they had COVID. Now okay. I will, so we know Alan St. Maxman at least three weeks after he was diagnosed with COVID or was rumored to have COVID was at some point over the holidays, whether it be Christmas or Christmas going into new year, it doesn't matter. He was in France is what reporters were saying at, at a certain point. Now, he could have recovered, but have not been in physical shape, like physically fit enough to play. And we'll give you can get, if you're giving him the benefit of the doubt, you can say that. Now, that being said, when Jamal Lacelles came back, um, it kind of, what I just said, kind of came to fruition. He played 45 minutes and got injured again, like the same injury he had before. So, like, there is a little bit of merit to the fact that, like, If they are, as as Steve Bruce has been, he's said it since the beginning that there are two players that have it really bad, like bedridden, et cetera, et cetera. So if that is true, then maybe Alan T. Maxman probably still is injured. But then again, there's a level of, he clearly does not have it anymore. He clearly could be back at the facility in some way, shape, or form doing some sort of training. Like if you think about how players recover, um, from any sort of injury. I mean, and uh, maybe it's different in the U.K., but I know in the States, they tend to take out, do their, their treatment and recovery as much as they can with the team. Like, Joseph Martinez tore his ACL, like, playing for Atlanta United, like, guess beginning of last year. And he was, like, he – the entire season, COVID and all, he was in – he was at the Atlanta United training facility doing his rehabilitation with the team. So either the team doesn't help the players rehab, which is already an issue. Well, we already know just- we don't because
2: like foreign Lazoon went to Spain. Like,
3: yeah, uh, so like, it's a few other
2: players too went to Spain. I think Jamal Sells, when he got injured went to Spain, not this year, but a previous year. So I mean, and, so like their training facilities or like. So like that the Joseph thing is kind of irrelevant because Atlanta's facilities would dwarf Newcastle's and like
3: and you know how much they cost, it's like it's like 15 mil. It it, it costs half a Joel Linton to build those facilities. Yeah. And they're state of the art. So they're take that for what it's worth. It's almost like, you know, you can invest in facilities and maybe you have better players that don't get injured. You don't have to buy left backs every window if you just invested in, you know, proper treatment and stuff. You wouldn't have to uh by left backs all the time because all of your left backs are injured, but that's not the case. So, I mean, like there is a timeline in which like Alan St. Maxman could be still physically recovering from the effects of COVID-19. And I want to give him that benefit. But I also, in the back of my mind, am like, who would want to rush back into this? Like there's, there's no motivation to get fit to come back and play like for Steve Bruce in this setup. I don't know that, that will be my take. And I mean, you can take that for what it is, take it or leave it. It is all a bit strange. And part of it is that it's Newcastle. Like, I'm not surprised that like when we've been asked about, when they've asked for and maximum, they've said things like, well, we just let the players decide when they're ready to come back. And it's like, that's not how any normal sporting, like that's not how like league two teams operate. Like you check in with the doctor and a. A, a medical professional tells you like your timetable. And even if it's an, an outside person, like they are still in contact with the team to let you know a timetable for this person's return. But the fact that the club has no idea when Alan St. Maxman plans on coming back due to recovery from obviously a devastating disease plus an injury that in itself is an issue. And then of course, like the whole idea of like the fact that this player is out in public is not any sort of violation of the club's personal COVID-19 protocols. And it's like, well, no shit. You got a fucking uh, outbreak in your facilities because if you're just allowing, if there's no policies put in place to prevent players from, you know, staying indoors like they should be, then yes, you're going to have an outbreak at your, like, <laughs> oh gosh. I mean, this club, I don't know. It's, it's, it's something They're They do things.
2: So do you think Alan Tate Maximin hates Steve Bruce and management there and he's holding himself out. What do you think is the the underlying issue
3: here? I don't think he hates Steve Bruce. I think he hates, he hates not winning more than he hates Steve Bruce. Like I think that if he could have a manager with the personality of Steve Bruce, because I mean, honestly, I mean, Steve Bruce lets Alan T. Maxman do whatever the hell he wants. Like it literally does not like he doesn't care what he does. And Alan T. Maxman when he's had beefs with managers and run-ins with managers has been guys like Vieira who are very strict and like, you're going to do this my way. Like Alan St. Maximin would not like Rafa Manitez like a lot. Like, I mean, it's just his personality and there's players who are like that. And it always begs the question, like would Alan St. Maximin be as good under Rafa? Like, I don't know. I don't really care. And arguably you could say he's exciting to watch, but is he has that turned into results? And that's a whole nother discussion. So I think that he just doesn't want, like, it doesn't seem like it's a good environment to return to. I don't think he hates Steve Bruce by um, any means. I'm sure he's frustrated and wishes things would go differently. I would say there's a better chance Miguel Amarone hates Steve Bruce than I would say Maxman because Miguel Amarone came to Newcastle for Rafa Benitez. I mean, he came to learn under a good manager and improve as a player. And, I mean, prime, his prime is being wasted right now. And his value is—I wouldn't say declining, but it's definitely stagnant. And the the opportunity for a lot of Spanish players, Spanish speaking players, is to play at a Real Madrid or a lot of the team in La Liga, Barcelona, and like that's not a move that's going to happen for him, not in this current form, not with Steve Bruce. Yeah. So let's um, do you, anything else you want to say on that before we
2: move to arbitration?
3: No, we can move to arbitration.
2: All right. Um, so. Uh, Bladen MP Liz Twist um, like, sent a letter to the Premier League about the, the NUFC takeover, um, and Richard Masters replied to it, the, who's the Premier League CEO. He said, in relation to any specific ongoing legal matters, Newcastle United recently announced that they have comm- commenced arbitration matters against the Premier League in connection with the proposed takeover of the club. Arbitrations are held in private, and this is no exception. They are generally good reasons. There are generally good reasons why parties choose to have disputes resolved by way of confidential arbitration. For example, it can be more informal. It protects sensitive information and it encourages encourages honesty, honesty and frankness from parties and witnesses. I would like to reiterate that it is the Premier League's desire to have this matter resolved in a timely manner. Um, so he obviously admitted as the first sign that we got, like confirming the fact that we are in arbitration. Um, and also, um, on January 9th, um, the lawyer, Nick DeMarco, uh, tweeted that he attended the, the FA cup tie, um, with Newcastle and Arsenal. And he tweeted out that he met with Newcastle officials before the match,
3: so it's a nice little update. What'd you have on that, Elijah? Um, I mean, there's a couple things uh, that, I mean, that was a, the, the, unfortunately for him, he had to watch that FA cup match um, and fans were letting him know, sorry, you had to watch that. Um, so there's, there's a couple of opinions regarding arbitration. So some journalists are under the assumption that it may have started. Uh, like Mark Douglas is saying that arbitration is ongoing Liam Kennedy says that he does he hasn't heard that the arbitration period has actually started Um, either way. Like, I mean, that letter was was dated like I want to say December 26th, you know, December 23rd. So, I mean, uh, between December 23rd and January 12th, which is when people were talking about this. A lot could have happened. And I'm sure that if if arbitration proceedings weren't occurring, you'd imagine that they're probably occurring by now. Um, I guess the other big thing that people were talking about was it was kind of confirmed that uh, that um, that the Premier League met with like the the UK government over over uh, this um, over this takeover twice um, just for just general questions, things like that. Nothing crazy. Um, they met with, uh, it was like the foreign office of the UK um, with the Premier League, uh, some officials from the Middle East and uh, someone from North Africa and uh, someone from the British Embassy. And it was all just kind of a foreign relations. Like, what does this mean? Has uh, like regarding foreign relations, blah, 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 nothing. I think it wasn't anything like a, poor they're saying, nothing, anything like a, hey, this is where the UK government pushed this through type meeting. But there were a lot of different officials involved. So things are happening regarding takeover. I want to say it was Lee Ryder might've said this, or may have been Chris Woff. Um, It was one of those two who were tweeting about it. And they said that they would expect, I think it was Chris actually, that they would expect um, if arbitrations were ongoing right now, uh, that they would expect to hear something by the middle of February or early February. Um, I don't know. So, I mean, it, it's interesting uh, in, of course you, the, in this current stage arbitration, that stuff's occurring over zoom. So, it, I mean, it, the, there's no travel that we need to track the, the Newcastle, uh, the Newcastle um, flight brigade has no work to do. So we don't really know, you know, if this were two uh, years day, ago. The other day, Mike
2: Ashley's jet, did leave for the uae and come back so flight trackers are still they're still tracking
3: yeah Um, went to the uae to uh because the uae is allowing people to go like i had a friend of mine who um she is a stripper she was in dubai for like a month and a half because you can just go there like they don't care so so it's like it's one of the only spots where people from like the UK and America where there's these huge outbreaks are, are allowed to go. <laughs> so, yeah, well, um,
2: Chris Woff says arbitration will probably be done in February. So by that logic, we'll update you in July
3: uh, when we actually. Um, I like was- how I struggled to figure out who said who said when it was going to end. You're just like, oh, yeah, Chris Woff said it, that it would end in February.
2: Or, or no, I'm just repeating what you said. Oh, no, okay.
3: okay. We'd hear in
2: February, um, but really it's going to be July because uh, that's how it works in the Premier League. Uh, remember when everyone said, "Yeah, yeah, it takes takes about two weeks." Like eight
3: months later, we find out. Um, well, it takes two weeks if you're if it's with the EFL, is what we're hearing, and they'll just approve it without doing any sort of checks. Yeah. So like someone said that, like stay woke. Steve Bruce is actually trying to get Newcastle relegated so that the Saudi bid can be done to the EFL. and It'll just go through. Well, the
2: uh, PIF did also release a statement saying that if Newcastle United get relegated, they would not have any interest in purchasing the club. Um, so that they can't, don't stay woke anymore because um, Steepers and Mike Ashley would, Mike Ashley would fire Steve Bruce and Mike Ashley would be really angry that he can't sell Newcastle yet. Um but let's take a break. We'll get into to odds and ends and some other things that went around, and we'll be
0: right back.
1: Mm.
0: Mm. For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews, and the best Newcastle videos and podcasts. Download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and Google Play.
2: Okay. We have a match update for you, Villa. It's re- we, we finally got the rearrangement there. Um, so I, I mentioned this when our match got postponed, that if Villa and Newcastle are, are both eliminated in the third round, which happened, uh, we'd get a likely uh, rescheduled during the, that fourth round weekend that they, that they did the FA Cup for. Um, and that's what when it's going to happen. It's going to be a Saturday, January 23rd at Villa Park. Uh, Sky Sports are picking it up. Um, and if you forgot, it was rescheduled because
3: that's when Newcastle's COVID outbreak happened. Any Anything to add there? I, I think I remember uh, Jose Mourinho saying like that he was – he would be upset if this wasn't rescheduled before this FA Cup, this, like this date, because it, it wouldn't be fair because it's a less congested fixture for – both teams, if they move it to that, I don't know. Yeah. He likes to complain, and you know what? Go for it, Jose. You, you complain. I support yeah. it. <laughs> um,
2: yeah, that's uh, well, it would be so with Newcastle being at Arsenal, um, it would mean that Newcastle will be it would be four straight away matches basically for Newcastle because of. Oh that rearrangement so i'm not sure exactly what that means since there's not really there's no fans but um they still have to try
3: also yeah shout out just greg and i feel like this is something that just isn't talked about enough but every time i watch a broadcast like we need to talk to these these color analysts because they always bring up the fact like oh newcastle you guys they're the home team they should be going for it. and it's like no, they shouldn't. Like, this is essentially a neutral site match. There are no fans here. So stop saying, like, there's an advantage or a team should be going for it because they're at home. Like, you have to treat every match as if it it's a neutral site match. And Newcastle in a neutral site would be sitting back against Sheffield United because that is what they, will, they would do. Like, they, like, I don't know. There's no, there's no home advantage anymore. So I don't even know why people are bringing it up. Yeah. I guess uh, travel is the only advantage, travel. Probably. Yeah. maybe it. Yeah. Uh, the
2: hotels, travel, can't go anywhere. But uh, some more not-so-good news. Um, we had Shola, fail- Shola, Shola MEOB failures. Um, so uh, Newcastle on Tuesday uh, said that they are recalling three players from their loans. Uh, that was Tom Allen at Accrington Stanley in League One. Uh, then we had... Um, Jake Turner, who's the goalkeeper at Morecambe in League Two, and Jack Young, who is an attacking midfielder at Tranmere in League Two. Um, Tom Allen made four starts and had four sub appearances. That's it in the whole uh first half of the season. He did get injured, uh, but he didn't make any impact in those games. Um, Well, Jake Turner started the season as the starting goalkeeper for Morecambe, and he lost his spot in November. So he's been riding the bench since November. Um, So they decided to call him back. And then Jack Young, um, he had four starts and a sub outing with Tranmere, but uh, didn't really make enough of an impact there. So they're all coming in. It's it's all failures. Um, And there is reports that Tom Allen has really been struggling with uh, recovering from his injury, as as being one of the reasons. So I, I can't. Uh, there's no word if I can like we can't confirm or deny that, but um, and he was out for a, a good period of time. So who knows? But uh, that is another black eye to the ongoing issue
3: of our academy. <laughs> Yeah. 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 I don't know. Maybe bringing in a loan manager that's never really worked in football is probably not the best idea. I'm just, I don't know. Just.
2: Yeah. Um, But some more youth news is we made a new signing in the youth teams. We signed Jay Turner cook. So this, this, uh, this, he, he kind of became like a big story a month ago maybe so he was at Sunderland in their academy he played he's played against Newcastle for the U23s uh jay jay's 17 years old and um he his dad is so he, yeah his dad was a Sunderland player and now has been their kit man for like 30 years Like he's been in the organization for 30 years and they Sunderland just made, they laid him off without like that, without warning. They just said, yeah, like we're done. And it was a pretty, pretty tough thing to do for somebody that's been at the club for 30 years. So uh, Jay was like very vocal and said, it's like the club, like the absolute disgrace, what they did to my dad, blah, blah, blah. So he, he left. He's like, I don't want to play for Sunderland anymore. And he signed with Newcastle. Um, No. No idea what, like, if he's really good. I mean, a 17-year-old playing for the U23s is a, is a good sign, but Sunderland is literally the worst academy. Um, so uh, I really have no idea what level he's going to be at, but he is under contract now until 2023.
3: Uh, before we move on, I do because I think it's important because I think when people talk about loan signings coming back, I don't think people recognize or realize why that's a bad thing. Um, because I think in people's I think in the average casual fans' eyes, they look at it as like, oh, the player wasn't playing, so like we just bring him back. But from you who understand the loan market and and youth players, like why is this a bad look for Newcastle?
2: Well, yeah, we're like, I mean, the whole point is developing uh, our academy players to be Premier League players. And if they're not getting extra opportunities outside of our academy, which is bad, it's it's below par. Um, and we're in a lower division in academy, so they're not really playing top competition ever. Um, they, they'll play one to two, two good teams a year, essentially. And like good is a term very, use very loosely because we're still in the lowest (laughs) division that we could be in as far as academy goes so um because that the players aren't developing the way we need them to so you need to strategically pick these loan opportunities to give them a chance to to play to start and to perform at that level and these aren't and the 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 really scary thing is these aren't like difficult. These shouldn't be difficult levels. Like we should have people from our academy easily going down to League Two and doing well. Uh, we've had players go to the National League and fail. Uh, happened last year. So uh, it's it's really not good. We're not do, we're doing something really wrong in in developing developing our players. A lot of these players have like signed with Newcastle Academy at the age of eight, and they're just like. Not ever getting close to good enough to be in the top four tiers of England's football system. So it's, uh, so seeing them players constantly get turned away means that they're never, they're never going to end up developing into the player, uh, that we were hoping that they were going to be. One, one big thing is like Elias Sorensen, like he went down to Carlisle in League Two and like could barely even get playing time. Um, now he's in the second division and, and, um, uh Denmark uh and and playing now but so but like I thought after that I was like man if he can't play for a league two side like his goals in the academy mean absolutely nothing like he's not he's just not good enough so it, it really gives you a good idea like seeing uh, we'll see what happens with Tom Allen but like yeah Jake Turner and uh Jack Young like really not a good look in this situation
3: yeah. I'm um, in part of it is though, like there, there's a level, there's a lot that when you hire loan managers, a lot that they should consider. And you talk about like how, like when, when people write articles on Chelsea's youth system, like they talk about the reasons why they loan certain players out to, um, and this is actually relevant right here is uh, like the, actually the athletic just did a really good three part series on Citigroup, And they talk about, the city network and, like, how when they sign a player, they know exactly, like, where they're going to loan him, like what part of the world they're going to loan him to and, like, how they want this player to develop. So, like, you know, maybe you send the player to uh, to, to La Liga because you want them to be better on the ball or you send them to Italy because in Italy it's a slower pace. They're able to, you know, learn about, like, how to operate within a very strict tactical system, things like that you you send them places knowing like this is where we want them to succeed in a certain area. And so just sending players down to essentially places that are leaked to it. I'm not saying it's good or bad for their development. Like you hope that players are able to play at this level. But also there's a level of like you're sending them down to clubs that are not like solidly mid-table or they're like a lot of times we're at clubs that are either like, like there's no frame of reference. So there's guys who are not playing because they're in relegation battles. Like it's like, it, they're not top of mind. And if they were, it's like, if they were really good, then it's one thing. Like they're clearly above the level, but if guys are truly meant to develop and they've been thrust into a situation where they're on a relegation side, like loaning Matt, Maddie Longstuff out to Darby is something that sounds good. When you look at it, it's like, you're loaning out to a team that has on a decent run, but they're still battling, trying to stay in the championship and they're in an in insane flux. So like, is his development going to be prioritized by that club? Is he going to be good enough to beat out staples in that club? I don't know. And this is stuff that like, I feel like Shola doesn't really take into consideration at all. I mean, we don't really loan players out to different leagues. Like I see other premier league clubs doing and your loan manager is supposed to have a vast network of people. They can loan people out to like the reason loans worked under Rafa was purely because of his connections. Anytime a player was loaned out, it was because Rafa had a connection to this team in Serie A or this team in Serie B or this team in La Liga. And, like, Scholl doesn't have any of those connections. He's just – like, his connections are all England. So, I feel like we're not
2: – Yeah, I, I, I think he does put give it in consideration because it literally is his job. What I think he doesn't do is kind uh, of assess talent correctly. Simple. Yeah, that's fair. I think he just – completely misses the boat on understanding where the players are and what their skill level is. Um, And he's clearly a good salesman because he will sell them, but they're clearly not ready
3: for that. Um, And And it's a, it's a multi it's, it needs a entire tear down because you do look at certain situations where it's like, they're clearly the Academy has produced certain decent prospects uh that have turned out to be maybe not what we initially thought they would be as premier league players like i mean it's you don't have a phil foden just laying around at every academy that could just at some point just step in and instantly walk into the starting 11 of like manchester city but i mean like ivan tony is a good example of like when we sent him out on loan we recalled him early a couple times and then and he got recalled early from, I want to say, a League One team. You got recalled early from Wigan. Uh, he came back in January. He scored one goal, I think, there. And then he went to Scunthorpe, and then we let him go. And it's like, if you look at that as, of, as objectively, if you look at that and you're like, this is not good. Like, clearly, when our players come into the academy – and <laughs> they were sent out on loan and they don't do well. And then they come back and they go somewhere else. And he played at Petersborough for, I think, maybe two seasons and then immediately started playing well at Brentford. Like, you have to look at Newcastle where it's like he spent so much time at Newcastle, and at Newcastle he could never really surpass League One. And then he goes to a, a different team and instantly becomes a solid League one striker into the championship and becomes a good championship striker. So at a certain point, like you said, there's guys who've been in the academy at like since eight, nine, ten years old, and they just never develop. And that that's like on the academy itself, and it just requires a complete teardown. And I don't know if there's a plan with the academy. Like I don't know what types of players Newcastle are trying to produce. And part of that comes with consistency. Like Man City Academy players all have the same attributes because there's a consistent model regardless of the manager of the types of players that they want in their academies in England and Japan and Australia, et cetera, et cetera, and America. And there's none of that in Newcastle at an even basic level. Like all our, our Academy require requirements are players who work hard. And so you just get a lot of guys who just run a lot and it's like, okay, that's cool. Where's the end product? Like, <laughs> Yeah. Um,
2: so we, we, the academies, we obviously have Paul Dummett, Matty Longstaff, Sean Longstaff and Andy Carroll. Uh, it was one of the, the few, am I
3: missing anyone? That was like a mainstay in the first team. No. And even then like Paul Dummett is a player that like for a lot of people, I think really until he was in that third center back role with Rafa, I mean, he was a contested player. Like, I mean, Brian and Brian's not really known for his takes, but both Brian and Chris McGlynn and even other players, like other writers we had in the past were very anti Paul Dummett. Like he was not regarded as like a good well, left back. Yeah. That that's,
2: that's my point. Is like the, the players that we do have in the first team um, they're they're they wouldn't start in the premier league at another club really.
3: Yeah. And the only player I feel like would have a chance any, to any develop in the Yeah. Yeah, like, it. I think I I do feel bad for Longstaff because I think that if they were at a different academy and there was a a clearer plan for them, then I think that you could probably see the best of them. But, like, I mean, in the case of Sean Longstaff, he doesn't even know what position he's supposed to be playing. I mean, Steve Bruce has played him as a cam, a central midfielder, CDM, a false number 10. He doesn't even know the best position he's supposed to be playing at. I think Maddie's kind of cemented himself as kind of a CDM. He's probably going to stay in that sort of role. But, like for you not to understand and have a clear plan as to where you're going to be playing this at this stage in your career. I don't know that that's never a good sign. And that, that's a club thing. Like, I mean, I'm sure Sean has an idea of where he wants to play, but he hasn't set up the team. He doesn't, he's not the one in charge of his development per se. You yeah. know. That's, that's bad.
2: <laughs> um, next thing to, to jump on to
3: is looks like Karen Clark's going to stick around. Yeah, I mean uh I mean someone mentioned that this was like a very indicative of the I mean, I wouldn't say this. I think Luke Edwards said this. He said this is a, a reaffirmation in the club's confidence in Kieran Clark. Let's be because sorry, in the club's confidence in Steve Bruce, because Kieran Clark is exactly the type of player Steve Bruce wants to extend. Like Kieran Clark's twenty nine. Um and he's twenty nine. 30, 30. he's he's older. I don't know. 31 really oh he's that old i thought he was like 30 well well, well, well. you're talking to a 31 year old currently well you know you also don't play premier league soccer so um anyway um and it's like i i part of me understands that but also the other part is like i don't think this is like a confidence in steve bruce thing i think it's uh Kieran Clark was, has been a—he's been good this season. Like, I mean, you can't deny that he's been—he's been good. He's been probably one of our best players this season, which says something. And he was good last season. And so, he, just because he's been good under Steve Bruce doesn't I mean this is like a vote of confidence in Steve Bruce. I think it's just like you reward a player for their service. Like we extended Federico Fernandez for the same reason—is uh, he was good for us. And it doesn't matter how old he is. And sure, that's a position at some point Newcastle are going to have to look. In the mirror, and say we need to get younger at. But for the time being, I have no issue with extending these players, especially when either one of them, at any point, even when they're 32, 33, could be sold to a championship or League One club for profit. Like, that's it's a no brainer to me. Like, I'm sure next season, by January, Karen Clark's going to have a couple championship clubs sniffing around. And if we can sell Karen Clark for three million pounds of championship club, I don't know who would be upset about that. So, um, again, not a huge deal. Uh, I mean, good for him. I think it's, it's worth noting. The worst thing you want is to lose a player like that for free, especially someone who's that important in Newcastle defense. So, uh, yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, next thing to discuss then is the BS meter.
3: We yeah, got- uh, I, what were you gonna say? You said we got something, huh? You, I thought you were gonna say you got something, like you were saying, like we got, and then I cut you off. So, oh no, no, no! I said, I said, what do you got? Oh, oh okay, okay. All right, <laughs> there we go. Um, so it, first and foremost, I can't remember if I mentioned this on the episode I did with Zach and Adam, because I'm pretty sure this happened by then. But, uh, Orlando Aaron's officially Huddersfield town that happened. Uh, so, uh, good for him. I think I mentioned it, but I don't, I wanted to make sure. So in case I didn't, I'm just covering my bases. Cause that's, that's my job. Um, but yeah, so two players, uh, pretty, pretty quiet considering it's the middle of January. Usually by now we'd have a couple more loan players that we'd be looking at, but, uh, it's been pretty quiet January in general across the world, uh, pandemic, all that kind of stuff. People aren't spending money. Um, We've been linked to Fazi Goulam, who is a uh, Algerian but born in France. Center back spent most of his career in France. If you're a FIFA player, you're probably familiar with Fazi. He was a not a wonder kid, but a solid signing a couple a couple years ago. Uh, played at Saint Etienne, Saint Etienne, and then he's been at Napoli uh, since 2014. Uh, plays left back, left mid. Uh, Play a little left wing. Started off as a left mid, if I remember correctly. So he's an offensive-minded fullback. Um, So it it, may, it makes sense uh, that we're interested in him. Hasn't really played a ton for Napoli this season. Only seven appearances. No goals, no assists. 29 years of age. And I believe that Newcastle will be looking to do a loan deal for him. So this one kind of shocked me. But I don't know. Your thoughts on this. B.S. or no B.S.? Uh No B.S. Uh,
2: everybody like it's essentially reporting it that it's close to happening and like no other clubs are part of it i i love when like oh yeah like newcastle west ham crystal palace everton and uh x club are all interested in signing this player like that's bs (laughs) written but this is like if you just google search his name hit news like it's only newcastle
3: um, yeah. <laughs> there's also just a i think it's a running like if you're a it's it's the perfect crop of teams to to always yeah. link players to it's like it's always newcastle villa brighton and like west ham are all interested in random player from france and it's like you can talk yourself and be like uh eh, yeah i could see west ham spinning 15 mil on this random left back in france like yeah sure why not i could see newcastle doing that and you you think about it they're like wait no wait these this team doesn't even need a left back why would they want yeah um so yeah i I could see that i think i mean i i don't know it just seems weird that uh, okay i'll take my uh, bias goggles off and and i can understand why this isn't jetra willem's uh one you can get him for free so and he'd play and he'd come in in june it's uh sure do that but also he he did tear his acl like i just i forgot like that's why he he hadn't played is he tore his acl so mm-hmm. um he just got back from that so um but yeah you need a guy to come in and contribute now uh i don't even know where jamal lewis is i think he's injured uh Javi mankeo's injured and uh, Matt Ritchie and Paul Dummett have been splitting time at left back. And that has been uh, just two opposite ends of the spectrum. So Fazio Ghulam should bring a little bit of balance as he's now become a true left back. And we don't have either a left center back playing left back or a left winger playing left back. We've got something in the middle, which is which is decent. Yeah, um, would okay. really up level, uh,
2: that, that, that would be a fine
3: signing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it also wouldn't be super upset if like, it didn't work out because again, like, I mean, Jamal Lewis isn't terrible. It's not like the situation last year with Danny Rose where like, we just didn't have a left back. So whatever we brought in had to be good. So it's like, I think it's, it's fine. And similar situation kind of as Jamal Lewis where he was regarded as an offensive wing back. Uh, I even played early on his career as a, as a left mid left winger. So um, hopefully can, provide a little bit of direction uh, to the young the young northern Irish player um moving on to the final player the BS meter uh, this is an interesting one kind of came out of nowhere uh, have not uh, this is another one I haven't really seen people talk about or any other teams really linked to but Lewis O'Brien a uh, midfielder currently had a Huddersfield town uh, in the championship uh, just he's been Kind of in their youth system, played on their B team and uh, was was uh, was on loan to Bradford a couple times um, uh, early before that and then went back to Huddersfield B, played at the Huddersfield U23s, uh, worked his way up the Huddersfield youth system. Now he's 22, central midfielder, um, I'd say a little bit more offensive minded. He's got about a year or so left on his deal, so he's kind of. Uh, either going to be firmly in Huddersfield Town's plans uh, going forward or just not. And right now it's very weird because he's made 19 appearances for them, but he is apparently like they're open to making some cash, which that could just mean they need to sell because they have no monies, which is also a possibility. But more and more offensive-minded, plays as a cam in in his youth stages, but has now kind of become a central midfielder kind of carry the ball forward almost sounds like the type of player we need would be just, I don't know. It'd just be really odd of this player. Like his market value has continued to skyrocket, which is good, but it'd just be an odd, like, like this isn't the type of player I thought Newcastle would bring in. Like I didn't, I thought they would, if they were to bring in a midfielder, they would have brought in a proven midfielder that could carry the ball forward and create for them offensively. Not a guy who like, has been solid in the championship, but we don't – I, like, don't know much about him. And maybe Adam does. I'll ask Adam see if he knows. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is going back to
2: what I think I just mentioned. The last one is Crystal Palace, Sheffield United,
3: Burnley, and uh, – Oh, yeah, Crystal Palace is another one that's always good to, to have uh, – to throw in there as, like, a, oh, they might buy this person.
2: Yeah, I think that's it. It's Palace, Burnley – Sheffield and us so you know it it certainly I I don't think it will happen and like I don't really want it to happen to be honest
3: yeah I mean if we're going to spend cash on players in January like they need to be just like we know what we're getting and I mean I don't know this and this is another one where it's like it could be just like who is the the guy we just didn't buy and he ended up, ended up going to Villa. I just totally forgot like the winger um, that we just didn't buy. And he just went to Villa and everyone made fun of him um, for like getting denied by Newcastle. And then he signed with Villa and he's good. So I forgot who that was, but I will look it up and figure it out. Um, but yeah, like, I just don't hope it's one of those things where it happens. uh no, it's Jared Bowen. Jared Bowen wanted to come to Newcastle, and just Newcastle just did not want to pay for him. And he wasn't even that expensive. He just didn't want to they, – like, they were just like – they They literally had, like, talked to the team, and just, I don't know what happened. Like, And then he ended up going – I think it was either West Ham or Villa, and just, like, is dominating now. So um, I hope it's not another situation like that where it's like you're able to get a player who people think is going to be make the jump to the next level, and you just, like – just don't do it, and it's not super expensive. That would be annoying, but also we've seen players who make the jump to the championship and just aren't good. So I don't know. All
2: right, well let's let's take our last break, and we'll do the Arsenal preview, uh, and then uh, we'll
0: leave you to it. Let's let's take a break right after this. For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Our chat system connects the Newcastle community with its public forums for supporters globally, as well as private chats with your mates. Download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and Google Play. All right, we
2: are playing Arsenal again. (laughs) Uh, Just got done playing them, and like literally yesterday, it feels like, and we're doing it again. So uh, going into just lineups let's just go right into lineup predictions as far as Newcastle injuries go I who knows <laughs> what what's yeah uh, like I don't know anything about like St. Maximin or
3: yeah yeah I mean so, so what, what I'm seeing is I mean Jojo Shelby the the people who are already injured are not going to be playing so Lewis not not wow Lewis knock. Jamal Lewis has a knock Doubt he's going to play. Shelby's been out. Uh, Dummett just uh, – who would have thought? Paul Dummett, whose hamstrings are made of, like, dry noodles, gets injured after playing literally 190 minutes straight of football. Um, yeah, he's he's injured. Uh, Alan Zay-Maxman's still out. Jamal sells I'd imagine, is probably still going to be out. And, of course, Ryan Fraser is suspended. But everyone else should be available for Arsenal. Karen Tierney is out, and that's actually – Quite Big we'll get into that and then Pablo Mari uh, the center back uh, he's he's out as well Um, but that shouldn't really affect too much of what Arsenal trying to do but Kieran Tierney being out is is massive if he stays out
2: yeah so how what what does Newcastle you have to Newcastle has to line up and do pretty much the same thing they did in the FA Cup no like they didn't do they should have won in in like regular time, but they just couldn't bury any of their chances. Surprise, surprise. But like they gotta do the same thing, right?
3: Or are they not going to do the same thing? I mean, I think Steve Bruce is playing scared. So I mean it, it'll be it'll be weird because I could see Steve Bruce I I, I he should do what he did against Arsenal last time. There there really are three options and it's like which version of Steve Bruce are you going to get? Because mm-hmm. you can get the Steve Bruce that's like, well it worked the last time we nearly won. We, we were unlucky to lose in extra time. We'll just do that. And that's honestly the version of Steve Bruce I'd want to see right now. Then you get the Steve Bruce that was like – that is scared and knows that if they lose, they, like, are closer to that relegation point. And then you'll get a version of what we saw against Sheffield, where you play eight defensive-minded players and just hope to God that Arsenal don't score – or we'll get Steve Bruce that is scared because everyone, the entire, all of the UK is talking about how terrible his tactics are, and he just goes balls to the walls. We're going to go four four two and bring it to Arsenal. So I honestly have no idea which version he'll go with. I would hope he goes with a similar lineup as he did against Arsenal uh, on on uh like the wow on Saturday. A, on Saturday, instead of Paul Dummett, I do think something that was missing was like, if you get DeAndre Yedlin in there and Matt Ritchie, instead of, uh, I think it was Kraft and, and Dummett, I think you're, you've you got a little bit more to offer going forward, especially when you've got like, just the midfield is not going to be pro- producing a lot of offense right now, just regardless of who you play in there. Uh, so I think that is, is definitely something to consider. Other than that, I mean, I don't know what else you really should change. Uh, you Probably... I would say you could put Ryan Fraser in. That'd be He'd be perfect for this, but he's suspended. So um, yeah. it'll be Joel um, Linton, Miggy, and Cal Molson probably leading the line. I mean, Jacob Murphy has just fallen off a cliff, but I don't know if that's his fault or just like – I don't know. You can't – I don't know. It's Steve Bruce's Newcastle United. So if players are good, you don't want to give them too much credit. <laughs> well, you don't want to give Steve Bruce too much credit because, like, they can always regress. And that's yeah. kind of what happened to Jacob Murphy. Uh, does uh, players watch out for for
2: Arsenal? We, we know them all too well. Uh, does Obama Yang score four straight goals, uh, score in four straight matches against Newcastle United, yes or no?
3: Well, he nearly scored against well, – well, sorry, he did score against Arsenal. It looked like he wasn't going to score, and it was like he'd, got, he'd gotten close and missed a lot of chances. Yeah, I think he probably does score here. Uh, I think the only player I would say to actually watch out for – from an Arsenal perspective, uh, is the only player that looked decent against Crystal Palace. I um, us say Thomas Pardee is back uh, and he came on in the 70th minute against Palace and was like, Arsenal could have won. Uh, I wouldn't say they were unlucky to drop points, but they, they could have won because um, he just changed the whole dynamic of the game coming on as a midfielder. And it's definitely different than Sabayos and, and Shaka in the middle, like what they have to offer. So it'll be interesting to see what they do if they go out and start him. Cause I mean, he's good. And I think everyone forgot that he was good because he wasn't playing. Uh, and so that, that's a big difference for them, but they still have not really been able to just figure out what they want to do in attack. Uh, is Smith Rowe really the answer as a cam? Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't, that doesn't really sound like it makes sense. Sokka has been decent, a has been decent, but still they can't finish to save their lives. It seems so. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Partey is probably the player I'd watch out for. A bummying obviously, a close second because he's uh, probably going to score.
2: Yeah. Uh, then let's get to prediction. I say uh, it's uh, going to be another 2-0 win for – oh, well, well, yeah. I'm saying 2-0 win for Arsenal. Uh, before your prediction, I'll tell you what 538 says. Uh, 62% chance that Arsenal wins, a 23% chance that we draw – and a 15% chance that Newcastle wins.
3: Yeah. (laughs) It's it's interesting. I mean, I don't know why people were, like, saying Arsenal's offense has been struggling. I mean, Arsenal are on a run of of, of five straight unbeaten. So, I mean, it's not like they're playing bad. I I think it was a bit of an overreaction when people were talking about the Crystal Palace match. Yeah, it was a nil-nil. They missed a couple chances. Maybe it was... Not as creative as they wanted it to be. But before that, they beat Newcastle 2-0, West Brom 4-0, Brighton 1-0, and Chelsea 3-1. So yeah. they clearly are able to score goals. Uh, I mean, I think the, it, it continues to pour on for Steve Bruce. I don't think it's going to be one goal or two goal. I think it can be three or four easily. Uh, I'm going to go with a let's go 4-1 loss to Arsenal, and it's not going to be pretty. Uh, yikes that would uh that would implode
2: this fan base for sure and all the speculation around steve bruce's job at newcastle united
3: but uh let's let's see what happens next tuesday should be fun <laughs> that, that it would be very uh scarily, scarily similar to the the year where uh tiny and andrews townsend are like uh, uh, we we're, uh, we're, we're we're done we're done mclaren i think it was was way worse because mclaren should have been fired just so much like there was no results to back up mclaren being here for so long but bruce is he's giving him a a run for his money for sure
2: yeah and then they they got brought john carver in after that so are we going to name shola emiobi as our next manager
3: could be I don't know. I just named someone and I don't know. I'm not buying the hype of who no one would take over this job because if you look at just the, the team in hand and the goal is to just survive and like hope. I don't even know. I just, I get that of like, no one wants to work under Mike Ashley, but also like, this is a much better, it's a much more attractive job than it was when Rafa left. Like when Rafa left, it was not an attractive job because there was no striker. There was only one player over 20 million pounds. But now you have Calum Wilson, who's well-respected. Brian Fraser is well-respected. Alan St. Maxman, who people in the Premier League have learned to respect. I mean, and you can even throw Miguel Maron in there. And then managers seem to really respect Isaac Hayden in the back line as a whole. So it's a solid job that any other manager, if Bruce were to get fired, I think that there would be at least – one or f- one or two managers that would be interested that are not just your traditional caretaker managers.
2: Only pull um all right. Well let's uh that that's gonna conclude this uh episode one sixty one of CHN radio. I'm your host Greg Troxel that's the best damn coast in the land, Elijah Newsom, And uh we'll see you next week. Let's get three points. Let's beat Arsenal. Probably maybe Maybe. <laughs> um, <laughs> nope. We'll see everybody and Hawaii the lads. Love you
1: guys. It's like sitting inside a fridge. But I wish I was on the case side. Looking at the old time bridge. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. i would walked the streets all day. I'll need for a bottle of on brown Hill. I'm coming home, Newcastle. If you never win the club again. River the dark at St. James's Park If the gala gets into the red I'm coming home And I'm proud to be a Jody And to live in Jody land Some people think we're forty And we're hard to understand And they say it's just self-pity And we're not so very tough Cos the people in the big fat city haven't had it off as I'm coming home, Newcastle You can keep your London wine I'd walk the streets all day I'll meet for a bottle of the River Tyne I'm coming home, Newcastle I wish I'd never been away I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound In me mother saying, hey, how are I'm coming home The old blind busker who stands at Fennec's door. He plays a mean accordion you've all seen him there before. And I love the Jody heroes. There's so many famous names. Like Linda Spawn and Gaza, Brendan Foster and the Gates at Games. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day I'll need for a bottle of your own brown ale I'm coming home, Newcastle If you never win the cup again I'll brave the dog in St. James's Park if the Gallagher's end in the rain I'm coming home, Newcastle You can keep your London wine I'd walk the streets all day I'll need for a bottle of the River Tyne I'm coming home, Newcastle I wish I'd never been away I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound, in my mother's saying, hey, how are we? I'm coming home, Newcastle, I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day, I'll need for a bottle of your own brown ale. I'm coming home, Newcastle, till then i win the cup again. I'll brave the dog is in James's Park, at the Gallagher's end in the rain. I'm coming home.